0: who shall be able to teach others also. And then our text verse tonight is verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And if you'll permit me to take just a moment, I'd like to pray for the two of you and your family and pray for this church family and certainly for the, uh, the preaching tonight. Thank you, Father, for the bouchets. Thank you for their faithfulness here in Englewood. I thank you that you have brought them here to Calvary Baptist to be with this church family. Thank you for their, uh, for pastor's leadership here. And uh, Lord, it's obvious that you have blessed this ministry now for these 54 years. And it's really um, wonderful to see how you're continuing to bless this ministry in the year 2023. Thank you, Lord, for many, many people that have come to know Christ as Savior down through the years. Thank you for those who were saved as recently as as yesterday, that was exciting, <clears throat> and now on this Monday evening, I pray, Father, that you will um, first and foremost speak to my heart. The guy doing the preaching, I need this message, and then I pray that you would speak to the hearts of of others. If there are those in our midst tonight that do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, I pray that this would be the night that they would place their faith in in Jesus and. For us as Christians tonight, may we be stirred and challenged and and helped and encouraged and and also convicted, I pray. In Jesus' name, I ask it. Amen. The date was September 3rd, 1987. A small aircraft, a Beach 99, was on its way from Lewiston, Maine, to Boston, Massachusetts. The pilot 46-year-old Hank Dempsey turned the controls over to his co-pilot, then walked to the rear of the aircraft to, out, to check out rather, a strange sound, a mysterious sound, a sound that admittedly the veteran pilot had never heard before. About the time the pilot reached the rear of the aircraft, It hit an air pocket, and the turbulence from that air pocket was so severe that it slammed pilot Hank Dempsey up against the rear door of the the aircraft, which just happened to result in him discovering the source of that mysterious sound. The rear door of the aircraft had not been properly latched prior to takeoff, so the door flew wide open sucking Hank Dempsey's body out of the airplane. Seeing a red warning light on the control panel in the cockpit indicating an open door, the co-pilot radioed the nearest airport asking permission to make an emergency landing. At the same time, he requested that the Coast Guard be dispatched immediately to the bay below to begin a search for Hank Dempsey. Within 10 minutes, that airplane landed at the Portland, Maine airport. An emergency landing with pilot Hank Dempsey holding onto the ladder at the rear of the aircraft, but not just holding onto it, grasping it with what only could be described as a very firm grip. True story. Hank Dempsey was traumatized, can't blame him for that, but amazingly, he survived the ordeal. You see, as he was sucked out of that airplane, he managed to grab that ladder and he held on for dear life until the airplane landed. You will not be surprised to hear that Hank Dempsey has become a legend in aviation in the state of Maine. In Maine... Pastor Boucher, he's not just known as Hank Dempsey, he's known as Hang On Hank. (laughs) Hang On Hank, a true story of some real serious endurance. I mean, can you even begin to imagine what it took to hold on to that ladder while hanging out of an aircraft? That's some kind of endurance, if you ask me. Well, our scripture text, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, is an appeal, actually a Bible command to those of us who are Saved to those of us who have received Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, to have that kind of endurance in our Christian lives and to have, pastors, that kind of endurance in our ministries. Here's how the scripture reads, verse 3. Thou therefore endure, there's the word, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Words written by a man named Paul, the Apostle Paul. Now in his mid-60s, maybe even 67 or 68 years of age, Paul addresses this letter to a young preacher by the name of Timothy. Timothy, the pastor of a church in the pagan port city of Ephesus. Ephesus, located in a country that we know today as Turkey place that is very much hurting tonight as a result of an earthquake. I can imagine that Timothy begins reading this letter that Paul has written to him, and the opening words, I can just imagine Pastor put a great big smile on his face, a grin from ear to ear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ to Timothy, my dearly beloved son. You see, Timothy was Paul's son in the faith, Paul's protege. My way of saying it, Timothy was Paul's preacher boy. But then the Apostle Paul's tone changes dramatically as he admonishes Timothy to endure. Now, let me explain why I think he did this. It appears that young Pastor Timothy was facing opposition in his ministry in Ephesus. He was encountering some very antagonistic people. It happens. Some were telling him that he was way too young to be a leader, which is exactly why Paul had cautioned him in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Timothy, let no man despise thy youth. But then, on top of that, he was facing serious threats of persecution from a wicked emperor by the name of Nero. So, it's no surprise that Paul exhorts Timothy here in 2 Timothy chapter 2 to verse 1, be strong, Timothy, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then, he adds this in verse 3, our text, Timothy, endure. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Paul was saying, Timothy, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, learn to endure hardness. Endure the hard times, the opposition, the intimidation, the threats, the Criticism, the persecution, the suffering. Now, I should warn you, or rather remind you, that the Apostle Paul was no stranger to hard times himself, not at all. Trust me, he had had his share. As a matter of fact, he was experiencing hard times even as he was writing the very words that we're reading here in the scripture. You see, Paul was writing Second Timothy from prison. He wasn't writing this letter from a four-star hotel in Rome. He wasn't writing this letter from a plush, luxury beach resort. No, Paul was writing this from prison. His crime? Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, preaching the gospel in that day was... Against the law. Preaching the gospel was a capital offense in the Roman Empire, but Paul, being the faithful, uncompromising preacher of the gospel that he was, was going to preach it regardless of the consequences. And now we find the Apostle Paul facing the consequences. He's in prison. And chances are, it was the Mamertine prison in Rome. Now, the Mamertine prison was about as bad as it gets, kind of like Alcatraz, except quite a bit worse. The Mamertine prison was an underground prison, an underground prison reserved for the most high-profile prisoners, prisoners like the Apostle Paul. These prisoners were condemned criminals, condemned criminals who were lowered by a rope into this underground prison through a hole in the ground, and once they were there, they weren't going anywhere. There was no escape. This was a dungeon, ladies and gentlemen and young people, which explains why one preacher, Pastor Boucher, describes the book of 2 Timothy as dungeon talk. Prisoners in this dungeon knew that they had absolutely no hope of coming out alive. None. These prisoners were on death row. So, when Paul wrote, Timothy, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ... He knew exactly what he was talking about. Exactly. Makes me think of the late congressman Sam Johnson, an American hero. Sam Johnson from Texas served in Congress from 1991 until 2019. Prior to being elected, he served his country as a fighter pilot. 29 years in the United States Air Force, he flew 87 combat missions. Sam Johnson was flying over North Vietnam in 1966 when his, his plane was shot down. He parachuted to safety, but then was captured and held as a prisoner of war in Vietnam for nearly seven years, including a stay at what was commonly known as the Hanoi Hilton, where he shared a cell with the late, late United States Senator John McCain. Sam Johnson described his experience like this. Depression, torture, broken bones, malnutrition, starvation. He said, my protein consisted of rats, roaches, spiders, and lizards. Well... This is what the Apostle Paul may very well have been experiencing in the Mamertine prison when he was writing these words, except maybe even worse. It was cramped, unbearably cold, which is probably why later he said, please bring my cloak It was rat infested and it was really, really dark. It was a miserable place. So miserable that many prisoners begged for a speedy death. So miserable that many actually opted for suicide. And then there was the sickening stench from the city sewage flowing through the prison. Now this is not pleasant, I'll warn you. Sometimes, when the prison was overcrowded and when they were needing to make room for new prisoners, the city sewage pastor would actually be flushed into the prison to drown the prisoners that were already there. Like I said, not pleasant. Not at all. So here's Paul, stuck in a hole, 30 feet deep in the ground. It's filthy it's rat infested, it's depressing, furthermore, it stinks. Paul was keenly aware that he was now nearing not only the conclusion of his ministry, but also the conclusion of his life. Sometime soon, he would be in heaven with the Lord. No more preaching, no more missionary journeys, and no more Letter writing. His letter writing days were just about over. Second Timothy was his last will and testament. Someone called this Paul's swan song. And it is here from a dungeon that Paul writes Timothy, endure. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. But ladies and gentlemen and young people, this is not just a challenge for a young pastor by the name of Timothy. Uh, It is also addressed to people like you and me in the year 2023. And it's addressed to preachers, but it's also addressed, addressed to lay people too. We too are to endure hardness hard times as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Now, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've probably figured out that we are not exempt from hard times just because we're saved. I wish we were, but we're not. May I set the record straight, please? The Christian life, you know this, the Christian life is not always easy. It's not a picnic. As a matter of fact, the scripture promises hard times. Psalm 34, verse 19, David said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. No, hardness is not an elective in the Christian life. Hardness is a required course. So, may I share some three simple lessons with you this evening? Three lessons about hardness. Three lessons that I think will be a help to you and, and certainly to me too. First, when you feel like complaining about hardness, endure. The Apostle Paul absolutely amazes me. Uh, he was not a perfect man, not even close, and yet As you search the scriptures, not once, at least that I see, not once in the scripture do we find Paul complaining, uh, griping, whining, or fussing about the hardness that he was experiencing. At least that I see. Not a complaint about the filth. Not a complaint about the smell. Not a complaint about the rats. You know... I think Paul was just practicing what he had preached. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14, Paul's words, listen, do all things, all things without murmurings and disputings, he was just practicing what he had preached. And I admire that. A man decided to join a monastery. One of the rules for the monastery was that you could only speak two words every 10 years. At the end of 10 years, he said, bad food. Another 10 years went by and he said, hard bed. Finally, on his 30th anniversary at the monastery, he yelled, I quit. (laughs) The man in charge responded, you might as well. All you do is complain anyway. Do all things without murmurings, the Scripture says. Now, there's a very convicting word in this verse of Scripture. The word is all. Do all things without murmurings. I'm much more comfortable with my personal version of the verse, Steve's version. It reads, do a lot of things without murmurings. Do as many things as you possibly can without murmurings. But the Bible says do all things without murmurings. No exceptions, no loopholes, there's no wiggle room. All means all, and that's all all means. In other words, don't murmur about anything. Should we give the invitation now, or should we, we wait? I, anyway... Well, then the Apostle Paul explains the reason for no murmuring in the very next verse, verse 15 of Philippians chapter 2. Listen to this, verse 14, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Disputings meaning arguing and quarreling. Verse 15, watch, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as light in the world let me ask you a question tonight as I ask myself the very same question would we like to make a major impact upon this crooked and perverse nation for Jesus Christ you say yes I most certainly would and I agree with you all right do all things without murmurings and disputings number of years ago, Chuck Colson was standing in a very long line at the airport in Jakarta, Indonesia. Chuck Colson, the founder of Prison Fellowship, also special counsel to President Richard Nixon from 1969 to 1973. Well, Chuck Colson and some of his Prison Fellowship colleagues had been traveling all night, and they were absolutely exhausted. And it was now early morning, and that airport terminal in Jakarta, Indonesia, was hot and steamy. Chuck Colson explained, I was not only hot and exhausted, but also exasperated because of the long line of people in front of us. I was worried we would miss our next flight. But, Chuck Colson added, I was determined not to allow my frustration to get the best of me, so I just talked and laughed with my friends. What Chuck Colson did not know was there was a man who was a follower of Confucius who was stuck in the very same long line of people in the heat and the humidity. And that man was watching Chuck Colson very closely and listening to his every word because sometime before that, the follower of Confucius had seen Chuck Colson's picture on the front cover of a book, a book authored by Chuck Colson. The book was entitled, Born Again. Two years after this happened, there in the Jakarta, Indonesia airport, Chuck Colson received a letter which read, I was so impressed by your demeanor and your cheerfulness in that long line in Jakarta that I purchased a copy of your book entitled Born Again. I read it and I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Wow. Keeping a good demeanor a good attitude can really have a dramatic impact upon people that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. You know that? Um, When you feel like complaining about hardness, endure. Then there's a second lesson. Don't miss this. When friends forsake you, Endure. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. A friend preaching to our preachers tonight, lay people too, all of us, a friend, maybe a good friend, or possibly even a family member, will forsake you, abandon you, walk out on you. You talk about discouraging. Well, it happened to the Apostle Paul. Chances are you'll recognize the name of the the fellow that did it. His name was Demas. The scripture says, For Demas hath forsaken me, Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 4.10, having loved this present world. Now you need to understand that Paul and Demas had been like this. Demas was Paul's, coworker in the ministry, his companion, his ministry colleague. As a matter of fact, Philemon chapter 1 identifies Demas as Paul's fellow laborer. Paul and Demas had served the Lord side by side together. They were a team. And it looked like Demas had a very bright future ahead in ministry. I mean, he had tremendous potential. And actually, there's a distinct possibility, and we don't know this for certain, but there's a distinct possibility that maybe, just maybe, Paul had handpicked Demas as his heir apparent to take over when Paul's life ended. Maybe. It's possible. But something had gone awry, very awry. The scripture says, Demas loved this present world. And the scripture adds, he had forsaken the apostle Paul. It happens. And it's always very heartbreaking when it does, always. Especially when it's family. But it really hurts when it's a a friend. Demas fell in love. Please don't miss this. He fell in love with the glitz and the glamour and the allure and the appeal and the seductiveness of the world. No wonder the scripture admonishes us, ladies and gentlemen and young people, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world, 1 John 2, 15 and 16. The truth is, Demas' story is a very serious warning for you and for me, the guy doing the preaching here at Calvary Baptist tonight. Let's not be naive about this. If you and I do not walk very carefully and very circumspectly, Demas' story could become my story and it could become yours. But you know what? It doesn't happen overnight. I can almost guarantee you that Demas' demise happened just a little at a time. One compromise. And then another, and another, and another. Someone has said every little compromise that you are justifying in your life today will end up being your destruction tomorrow. I really doubt, Pastor Boucher, that Demas woke up one morning and said, you know what, I think I'm just going to make some really dumb decisions today, some stupid choices that will totally mess up my life. And I think today is the day that I'm going to forsake my friend, my fellow laborer, Paul. I don't think that's how it happened. No, most often it happens gradually. Most often. Very gradually. And let us be warned, it can happen to any of us. Any of us could become a Demas. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love even the apostle paul himself realized that this could happen to him paul said but i keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest by any means when i have preached to others i myself should be a castaway 1 corinthians 9:27 do not be surprised do not be surprised if sometime in your life or in your ministry preachers a demas Falls in love with the world and forsakes you. You know what you're going to have to do when that happens? You're going to have to endure. But then finally, a third lesson, and I'll conclude, Pastor Boucher. And please don't miss this. Um, Preachers, lay people, Church members, Steve Kluth, the, the guest preacher tonight at Calvary Baptist, don't miss this. When you feel like quitting because of hardness, endure. Do you know how easy it would have been for the Apostle Paul to just quit? And yet, he endured. Endurance. It's not about being faithful for the short haul. Lots and lots of people have done that. It's all about being faithful over the long haul. Faithful to the finish line. I greatly admire people that do that. Three of them who have served in full-time ministry have greatly impacted my life. My father-in-law, Pastor Jack Legrand, pastored Glen Iris Baptist Church, Birmingham, Alabama. I had the privilege, before coming to CLA 25 years ago, I had the privilege of serving on his staff for a total of 18 years. I married a girl from Alabama, which explains the watch, John. Okay, that's a personal thing. I won't tell you ask me after the service roll tide but back to the message and we'll wrap this up pastor Jack Legrand he stayed faithful all the way to the finish line Um, brother Burke my father-in-law pastored for 27 years there at the church in Birmingham and pastored a few other churches before that And in 1995, he was uh, diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease. And sometimes, you know, people with Lou Gehrig's disease will, maybe you've known people with Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. Sometimes they um, will go on and on for many, many years. My father-in-law lasted a couple of months and, and went to heaven, but he was faithful all the way to the finish line. I remember when he preached his very last message sitting in a wheelchair on the church platform, pastor, and uh, he was faithful. He impacted my life, that's for sure. Second man, my pastor when I was growing up at Faith Baptist Church, La Crosse, Wisconsin, Pastor Max Winiger, I'm his preacher boy. He's in heaven now. He endured. And then there's Brother Gibbs, who Karen and I have the privilege of serving with now. 54 years of faithfulness in ministry, and he continues to endure. When you feel like quitting, throwing in the towel, preachers, church members, endure. I conclude with this. John Stephen Akwari. Most likely, you won't recognize the name. After all, he was just a peasant farmer working in the fields to make a living. But in his spare time, when he wasn't farming, he trained. He trained by running mile after mile after mile. You see, in the 1968 Summer Olympics in Mexico City, John Stephen Akwari represented his country Tanzania, he was a marathon runner. That's 26.2 miles. Starting field in the 1968 Olympic marathon featured 75 runners. 18 of those runners dropped out early in the race as the altitude began to take its toll. Ekwari began experiencing muscle cramps himself, but he refused to give up Finally, in spite of his discomfort, he decided to make his move, but unfortunately, several runners, including Akwari, jockeying for position, collided. John Stephen Akwari tumbled headfirst to the pavement. His his right knee was dislocated. His shoulder was badly bruised. The pain was intense, but Akwari picked himself up off the ground. Medical personnel shadowing the runners advised him to pull out, to give up, but Ekwari refused. Perplexed by his courage, medics carefully wrapped his knee and off he went. Now limping noticeably, Ekwari quickly fell to the back of the field to last place, way behind the next-to-last runner. Meanwhile, at the finish line, the crowd cheered and applauded as an Ethiopian runner won the gold medal in two hours and 20 minutes, which just happened to be the time that John Stephen Ekwari routinely ran. More than one hour later, after the sun had set, Long after most of the spectators had departed, a lone runner emerged out of the darkness wearing the colors of Tanzania. It was John Stephen Ekwari. All five feet, three inches, 110 pounds of him, limping in excruciating pain, totally exhausted, exhausted, crossing the finish line in three hours, 25 minutes, and 27 seconds. Members of the media who talked with Ekwari after the race asked him the questions that were on everybody's mind. How'd you do this? How did you finish the race when you were in so much pain and and why didn't you quit? Nobody would have blamed you. John Stephen Ekwari uttered a statement that is one of the most memorable in Olympic history. He said, My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race, they sent me. 5,000 miles to finish the race. I know that life can be hard, very difficult. I know the ministry can be very, very difficult, even pretty unbearable at times. But may I remind us tonight that our Heavenly Father Has not called us simply to start our race. He has called us to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ and to finish our race. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase so bravely run the race till we see Christ